0: There are tons of people in our world who do not have an active eating disorder are not specifically underweight or look like they have an eating disorder, but who are trapped in this mentality of, I have to control, I cannot eat this, I shouldn't eat that, I've eaten it, now I feel horrible. This body diversity exists, whether we like it or not, and that we have to let people live in the body that they have why would everybody have to be healthy that's the other question but are we really empowering yourself or are we just spending a bunch of resources on having the perfect body which is not exactly a pre-requirement of living a happy life we definitely have to be really mindful of what we consume and we have to be in control of our feeds. Because if we wait for the algorithm to propose stuff, it's gonna be stuff that is most likely to be destructive.
1: Hi, I'm Laure Séjean, a former HR director turned into a pro makeup artist and a beauty editor. In this podcast, I want to share another way of looking at beauty from the outside and from the inside. From people who create beauty trends, to people who help us feel better within our body. From sharing my experience with some beauty products, to digging into new ingredients. Welcome to Beauty S'il-Vous-Plait. Hi everyone, so today is another uh, special episode. Uh, We are going to talk about beauty from a different angle. And... I feel that we're all being impacted by social media. We are being uh, exposed to social media. And and when my guest of today, Florence, um, approached me, I thought that would be like such a good idea to talk about how social media impacts the way that we accept ourselves, we accept our body as it is, and our appearance—it's um, not only impacting. I feel like the teenagers, but it's impacting women and men from any age. I'm forty, and I'm impacted by what I'm seeing on um, on Instagram, on TikTok. Uh, those are the two main uh, social um, medium that uh, I'm I'm consuming today. So, today I'm having Florence Gillet. Uh, She's a certified eating psychology coach and the founder of Beyond Body Image Lifestyle Coaching. She helps chronic dieters reclaim their freedom of body and mind, but also work on body acceptance to truly free themselves and live fuller and happier. Florence helps not only uh, individuals, but parents. Of kids of teenagers uh, wishing to instill a positive body image in the kids. And she's also the co-host of the All-in Podcast Show dedicated to period recovery, alongside with Dr. Nicolas Sykes. Um, Florence also acts as the community, communications manager of the Middle East Eating Disorder Association or also named as Mida. Uh, and it's an NGO dedicated to raising awareness of eating disorders in the region. Um, we've been knowing each other with Florence for more than 10 years because she used to work with Joe, my husband, uh, in Chaloub, and this is how we met. And uh, and Florence changed career a few years ago. Uh, and, and it's funny how, again, no, how I feel like the universe is sending me signs because I can only speak about myself Um, when she brought me to talk about social media, the impact, you know, that it can have on our body. Uh, But also because she is a certified eating disorder coach. Um, I feel that, you know, uh, she was the right person and the right guest not to have on my podcast. So Florent,
0: thank you so much for, for being with me, with us Mm -hmm. Today, yeah. well, thank you so much for having me and for responding with a yes to me inviting myself on your podcast. <laughs> um, it's such a pleasure to be there, you know, and to support you also. Um, I mean, since you changed careers yourself, really, uh, you I had booked this. Makeup masterclass with you just before the pandemic. That's and so true. Yeah, just a few days before. <laughs> exactly. Like I think the day after I was picking up my kids, and they were never to go back to school for three months. Anyway, um, so it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much to, for inviting me,
1: Florence. So I mean, I've I've done an introduction uh, quite complete you know of what you're doing today um uh, you're also co-hosting the the mida podcast i mean i've been listening to the mida podcast uh to prepare this episode as well to understand better you know what was mida what you were doing there and you also have like super interesting you know uh, guests there but i mean is there anything that i've missed there's i mean how would you describe yourself
0: Um, Well, I think the only parts that maybe we haven't covered, we covered a lot of the professional stuff and um, I'm I'm originally from Belgium, uh, so I speak French and English fluently. I used to speak Dutch fluently as well, but it's pretty much lost now after 15 years living abroad. Um, I've been in Dubai since 2008. And yes, when I first came to Dubai, I was working in PR and communications, and that's how I met Joe. Uh, I have a really great memory of working with him, especially organizing the big Christmas party for the kids at Shaloub, which was really fun. Um, And, uh, you know, I'm a mother of two. um, And a lot of the work that I do is also related to motherhood. In the sense that um, the podcast that I run with Dr. Nicola Sykes is about period recovery. So, we're helping women who have dieted so much and exercised so much that they actually lost their menstrual cycle. A lot of them have not been diagnosed officially with an eating disorder, which makes things complicated. Um, And so, they're really suffering from not knowing what is going on with their bodies. Uh, They're being told by a lot of doctors to just take the birth control pill as a response. But obviously they know that periods on the birth control pill are not natural periods. So they're really left in without any care. Um, And this is something I experienced myself when I was myself a dieter, which is also why I changed career. It's because I spent a good 10 years of my life chasing the unattainable standard of beauty, trying to get my body a certain way. And obviously I never met that standard because also I was always pushing the boundary further. So with, you know, starting with thinking I'm going to lose a few pounds, then, you know, it gets, Oh, now I'm going to lose more, or I'm going to change this. or now I want visible abs or, you know, there's always something going on. So, When I finally came out of that decade of hurting my body and my mind mostly, um, it was due to my kids. I had recovered my periods, had two natural pregnancies, and then I went back to dieting and it's only when my four-year-old made a comment about me not eating the same as her that I freaked out. Um, And so that's why the whole parenting stuff and um, fertility stuff is also kind of ingrained into my business. Um, And today I work with mostly adults, but I also go to speak in schools with Mida uh, I speak to parents, I try to raise awareness about the dangers of dieting and overexercising and trying to conform to this unattainable standard of beauty. So I think that's probably the extra stuff um, that explains why I changed career four years ago and why I left PR and communications behind to become a coach. What's the difference between what you do as
1: our a certified eating psychology coach and a therapist or a psych- 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 psychologist or a psychiatrist, sorry, I can't pronounce this. Psychiatrist,
0: so. yeah.
1: thank you. <laughs> uh, Specialized in eating disorder
0: yeah. So I mean, the first thing is obviously they've gone through much more rigorous training than I have, right? Let's be <laughs> very clear about that. For me, it's a second career, and I was in Dubai. So obviously the possibilities of me going back to university, doing masters and all of that were quite limited. Um, so I can never replace a psychologist, a therapist, a psychiatrist, a doctor. That is not my point at all. A coach is much more someone you would use as a support. Uh, It's kind of imagine you have a friend who's gone through the same thing as you did, um, but can now hold your hand and go through the similar steps with you. Um, It's also someone that holds you accountable, which I find is maybe a little bit stronger with coaching than it is with therapy. With therapy, there's this sense that, you know, the therapist will listen to you and you will go on a regular basis. And with coaching, we really set goals for ourselves. And we say, you know, to get to that goal, this is what we're going to do this week and next week. Um, And I find that this element of accountability and the ability to reassure people to say, hey, I've been through this. This is really uncomfortable, but you can get through. It really helps a lot of people. So... I think coaching comes at a time where you're ready to do something about your issue around food and your body. Uh, You really want something to change. You really feel trapped. Um, But also, I take a lot of people on that are maybe borderline eating disorders I do not work with full blown eating disorder patients people that are really suffering from active anorexia bulimia those type of people they really need a dedicated therapist dietitian and doctor so usually these people work together you know they get into a multidisciplinary team that can support people with an active eating disorder but what i find is that there are tons of people in our world who do not have an active eating disorder are not specifically underweight or look like they have an eating disorder, but who are trapped in this mentality of I have to control, I cannot eat this, I shouldn't eat that, I've eaten it, now I feel horrible, Um, not feeling like the way they weigh themselves in the morning is going to influence the rest of their day feeling unable to not exercise, even though they're tired, that they're injured, all of that. So that's a little bit the type of clients that I work with. They maybe do not have access to the medical support that, an active eating disorder patient would get, but they still struggle pretty bad. And I think of period recovery, these women do not have a menstrual cycle. So like, this is a pretty bad struggle. It affects, I know you've had an episode with a hormone specialist, not having a menstrual cycle is really bad for you, physically, mentally, on a whole bunch of other levels, even if you don't want to have a a baby immediately. So, you know, there are a lot of people going through life with this mentality and they're really trapped in it and they do not get access to the medical support because they're quote unquote, not underweight in a way that is seen to be acceptable with eating disorders for the medical industry. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. 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 But do you work with doctors? I mean, do you you work hands in hands? Because that would make sense. No, I mean, um, if, this is my um, just my view. You know, if you have like, um, uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, like even like a therapist, you know who would tell you, you know, when we have a conversation, and so on and so forth. But like a therapist would not give you like specific goals, or would not, you know, hold you your
0: hold your hands like throughout, you know, this journey. No, totally. I, I think I my job is kind of really. <laughs> in, in its own little niche, if you see what I mean. So um, with a lot of clients, I will not take them on board unless they have a clear diagnosis, for example, of um, hypothalamic amenorrhea. This is the technical term when you lose your period because you are underfed and over overexercising. Um, but then again, we go through things together and I know exactly what to do to support them. I have the backup of my colleague, Dr. Nicola Sykes, who I do the podcast with, who has a PhD and we really studied the topic in and out. Um, But then if it comes to people reaching out to me and saying, Hey, I love what you do. I want to work with you, but I see that they need more supports than just coaching. Then I will redirect them. And so that's also a reason why I decided to volunteer for Mida is that I wanted to know who are the good people helping eating disorder in the region. So I know exactly now which doctors, which therapists, which dietitians can help someone who's struggling, but who's struggling maybe too much for a coach to support them. Does Mm -hmm. that sound a bit clear?
1: Yeah, Yeah, no, definitely. So people who would reach out to you would be mainly women who have who have initially like some issues with their period?
0: A lot of them have, but it can also be people that have been dieting for so long and Mm. they suddenly heard that, well, they don't have to do that for the rest of their lives. Some people come because they have other physical issues. You know, if you actually are underfed and constantly tiring yourself with exercise or a whole bunch of other things, you can suffer from a lot of physical ailments that would not be recognized by the medical industry, but you could have digestion issues, you can have skin issues, you can have a lot of that stuff that also gets seen as inflammation in the body, right? So lots of people will go maybe to a naturopath or to someone who, you know, does those food allergies or food intolerance tests. And that was also my path, that's what I did. But the problem was I was just not eating enough. So when I was diagnosed with a whole bunch of food intolerances, the problem was not the food. The problem was I was not eating enough. And I think this is, again, one of the myths that I want to talk about as a coach that I think we never hear about. That you can actually be underfed and it can create a whole bunch of issues in your body, even if you have your cycle coming on a regular basis. But then a lot of people also come to me because they are crippled with this anxiety around their body image. And, you know, it stops them from being social, it stops them from running the career that they want. Uh, It stops them from seeking new relationships. If they're looking to meet someone, it really, the, the fact that they feel dissatisfied with their looks is actually really stopping them from living their lives completely. And so what I try to help them with is to really change the way they see themselves because body image is actually stored in your brain. It has nothing to do with your body. So even if you don't like your body or your body doesn't look like the standard of beauty, you can work at developing more confidence in the body that you have today without having it to, to change first.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's um, I love what you're saying. And that's something that I have realized myself as well, you know, just for me, So, um, I've had no eating disorder myself, uh, in and out, since I'm um, I'm 15 years old. Sometimes it's it's there. Sometimes it goes. It goes for several years, and it comes back. Maybe we'll talk like more about this, like later on in another episode, but what I realized is, so basically what I did, you know, beginning of the year was, um, I wanted to enter a program because I gained a few kilos, you know, during Christmas, you know, eating biscuits, because I love, you know, baking, cooking during, you know, uh, Christmas uh, time. And then arriving in January, I was like, okay, I'm done. I need to lose those extra uh, kilos and to go back on track. So I entered this program called Equolution. And this is not an ad, you know, I paid for it, you know. (laughs) <laughs> um, but this is one of my clients that I met, uh, around the new year Eve. She's Australian. And she told me about this app that she developed because she lost as, as well, you know, uh, weight and she wanted to, um, uh, to share her method to others. So long story short, I had a coach that was following me on a weekly basis, encouraging me, motivating me always like, uh, cheering me up you know even though i was fluctuating you know from one to two kilos per week and and obviously being a woman you gain weight you lose weight because of your cycle oh yeah right and uh, and and with this app you you have to take pictures of yourself you know front back and side so to see the progress and this can help you know for people sometimes. So I was doing this and, uh, and at some point I, I was getting frustrated because I was not losing the weight that I wanted to lose. And I wanted to lose like five kilos. So that was like the weight that I had like five years ago, um, where I was quite skinny, to be honest. And one of the coaches told me, Laura, I feel you don't really need to lose weight because you look lean, you are lean already. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, really? And then I looked at me in the mirror. I looked at the pictures and I was like, yeah, really. I mean, obviously I'm not fat, you know, I don't have like extra weight in any way. And and I feel this was like a reality check, you know, for me, just to mm-hmm. realize that okay, I don't need to lose weight, but I need to accept my body as it is.
0: Yeah. And that, you know, you're not going to have the same body at 40 than you had at 35, at 32, at 25, at 18. Like some people will just say like, oh my God, but you know, I want to go back to the body I had when I was younger. Well, hello, the, you you obviously accumulated all these experiences and all this life. Your body also lives with you, Right. I personally don't have the same body either. Now I'm a a recovered dieter. So that's the other thing. I work from a perspective in my coaching that I don't actually focus on weight. So it's called size inclusive, if you want. I personally don't believe in dieting because I've seen the harm that it can cause. And most eating disorders start with a diet. So we have to be conscious that dieting is actually quite risky. Like you risk a a whole bunch of things around dieting, including body dissatisfaction that gets heightened by the fact that you diet and you expect something in Mm. return. So your experience is quite a good example where you're like, I'm going to do this. And a lot of people will think for my health, right? But let's face it, your health is probably not really suffering with a few more kilos when you're 40 years old because it's just part of aging also as women we gain a bit of weight the more we age and get close to menopause but the fact that you went into the program you started investing effort energy all of these things you're getting a you're getting a coach you're paying these people and then you keep fluctuating one kilo and you send your photos and you're like oh this is not working it starts to actually dissociate you even more from your body's experience. And I'm glad this coach said, look, Lord, it's really not a big deal. Uh, but a lot of them don't do that. A lot of them will say, come on, like do it harder, do it more. And that's how you get into that rabbit hole. Um, So personally, I, I do not believe that dieting is actually evidence-based. That's the other thing. We know that most diets, you will be able to lose a bit of weight short-term, but on the long-term, you will actually gain more weight. So (laughs) typically, intentional weight loss will be the best way to gain weight long-term. And that's something that a lot of people don't want to hear, don't want to listen to, but that is what science is telling us. Dieting is not evidence-based practices. To really get to a better health, or even losing weight, also. So I
1: so, have like, uh, sorry, I have two questions on this. Um, the or maybe I only have one actually, because I think you already answered. Like you know, the reason why you know, people were coming to see you, and the, the the it was many you know women who who are uh, not having you no know, period and and want to recover you know from that.
0: Um, and now I lost. It's okay. So uh, the other thing that I would say about what you mentioned and, you know, your body being naturally lean, um, you know, I, I find that something that I really try to fight as well in our society with a lot of the work that I do is to fight this idea that fat is always bad. So this idea that, oh, you know, it's okay for you because you're in a lean body regardless. But what would we say to a woman who has naturally a larger body to start with? She would actually be encouraged to do more and to keep trying and to keep losing more weight, even though maybe it is not the best for her. So I think we really have to understand that there is body diversity in this world. And a lot of the narrative that we hear about the obesity epidemic it's been debunked over and over again like the obesity epidemic came out of research that was really blown out of proportion Um, are there people who could have a better lifestyle to reach health yes can these people reach better health without losing weight also yes because actually weight loss is typically when you try to focus on weight loss, you will get into a worse relationship with food, a worse relationship with your body. You might over-exercise in a way that is not safe for you. Um, you will look at yourself as a failure because you go through the weight loss, everybody congratulates you, then maybe you gain the weight back, which happens in a lot of cases. And then you feel like a failure and you feel like you want to hide and your social life is impacted. Um so we I think a lot of the work that I do is really kind of debunking all that weight stigma that we see. Um of course we know that people do not want to be in a larger body because they are actively discriminated in society, but I also wish for people to see that this body diversity exists whether we like it or not and that we have to let people live in the body that they have even if they're fat, even if they're unhealthy, because at the end of the day, it's your body and you decide what you want to do. And if I was smoking, you know, you wouldn't go after me and say like, but it is really unhealthy. So why are we persecuting fat people saying to them, "Oh, you you have to lose weight. It's bad for you. This is their body. Nothing says that fat is immediately unhealthy. And also they do what they want. Does that, Sound a little. Yeah, bit. yeah. yeah. I I, th-
1: I think it's good to have like another uh, perspective as well. Um, I mean, the question that I would have is, how would you define a
0: healthy? <clears throat> sorry, how do you how would you define a healthy body? So I think for me, I don't like to use healthy unhealthy because okay. one you cannot see it on people, right? So. If somebody looks at me, I mean, I'm a bit like you, Laura, I'm quite tall. I'm not particularly large. Um, I would say that now I may be more average size than in my 20s, I was probably leaner, uh, but I'm kind of naturally long and lean. I, I don't look fat in any way. And yet um, I have two autoimmune diseases. Um, it runs in my genetics. And I've struggled with mental health so much throughout my life, which was also part of my genetics. My dad was bipolar. He died from addiction. Like there's a lot of trauma. also that was coming from that. So am I healthy? That's a good question, right? Am Mm -hmm. I someone you would see healthy? But if you look at me from the outside, you think she's perfectly fine. Um, So I don't like those terms because maybe you look at someone who's overweight I use the term fat on purpose because I think we need to reclaim that, that term. It's not a bad term. It's just a description. Like I would say I have Brown hair, um, you know, and people in fat bodies who work in activism around that, they want to use the term, just like I would use the fact "tall." I am tall. Um, so when somebody is fat, I find that we immediately make a judgment about how healthy they are, what they eat, how much they eat, how active they might be, and unfortunately, we cannot judge from the outside. And also, why would everybody have to be healthy? That's the other question. It's it's not a moral obligation to be healthy. So the way that I see a healthy body for me um if if i think of health i like to think of the world health organization definition which is a sense of well-being that will come not sh- just physically but also mentally and socially you have to have this kind of wholesome idea of health and i think the person experiencing health or kind of you know lack of health will tell you what happens for them, but you cannot see it from the outside. And I think that's a lot of thing with social media. Sometimes we follow these people and we think, look at their bodies and look what they do. And oh my God, they exercise so much and they eat all the right things and they must be so healthy. And the reality is a lot of them suffer from eating disorders. A lot of them don't have their periods. When you don't have your period, you put your bone density at risk. You put your heart function at risk. You put your brain function at risk. There is um, a risk of early dementia, when you haven't had a menstrual cycle for a while, it's not something that you should take like as a, Oh, okay. I I can't have a baby. I don't care. It's really part of your whole health. So one, you can never judge. And two, I would say like look at health from a much broader perspective. Um, Does that answer your
1: question? Yeah, yeah. again, that's so interesting because that's true that, you know, with social media, you know, we, obviously what we see is, I mean, is what is on the screen, Yeah. nothing else. You know, we don't necessarily know the person personally. So we don't know how, you know, every day, you know, she would feel or he would feel. And, um, and this is, you know, at some point, no, you know, I was posting, I was doing a lot of, you know, workout and posting on my stories. And I think it was more like, uh, even for me, you know, to motivate me in a way. And, and uh, but maybe to help as well, you know, other people. And I know they helped, you know, some, some of my followers uh, to go back to the gym, to do some workout and so on and so forth. But on the other hand, then <clears throat> I've stopped, you know, kind of doing this um, because I felt that it became unhealthy mm-hmm. in a way, uh, just to see, oh yeah, I look at my body, I look at where actually, you know, at some, some days, no, I was not well mentally. Yeah, I had some cause... anxiety or I was just not feeling well. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and I feel it was kind of lying, you know, to, uh, to my yeah. audience, on, on what could feel being like a perfect, you know, morning or workout where actually, you know, I was like feeling so crap. Yeah. Um, but with the pandemic and, you know, and the lockdown that, you know, we all lived, you no know, in, in the entire world, um, obviously people have spent no more time on social media, on Instagram, TikTok, you know, uh, has boomed. Um, have you seen an increase of eating disorder, have you had like your clientele, you know, I mean, or having like more people, you know, to uh, to coach for or with? Yes.
0: And it's, it's uh, lots of studies have shown that we're actually facing a second pandemic out of the COVID pandemic. Mm. And that pandemic is going to be mental health related. Um, and eating disorders have absolutely gone out of control out of the isolation i think it's a it's a bunch of factor right the isolation the change of habits the fact that we were home all the time so people could either reach out to find food all the time anytime you know food delivery you really have access to food constantly but then for some people they took it as an opportunity to say now i'm going to get into a healthier routine quote unquote and so they started restricting, they started doing exercise every day, Dave, they've seen, you remember the messaging that we received in the beginning of the pandemic, when people were on lockdown, where you had this, um, all these images of me before going in lockdown, I would be lean. And then me going out of lockdown, I would be fat. So there was the, uh, what was it, the COVID-15 or something that, you know, people would put on 50 pounds because they were locked down at home. So all of that narrative, and again, it's rooted in that fat phobia that I talked about that really is part of our society. Um, It really didn't help. um, And especially youth, Uh, the young population is struggling a lot with those issues. So, Uh, My colleagues at Nida, I mean, now myself, because I don't treat active eating disorders, it's a bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the clients I see coming from period recovery, they started their new, healthier routine through the lockdowns. So they had a kind of good relationship before to their bodies and their food, and they had social encounters and everything was fine. And it's because of the lockdown that they started going through something a little bit, a little bit more. So what we see is that the colleagues that are working in eating disorder right now, they are swamped with requests. And the problem is also that if you have to prioritize those requests, then you will prioritize for the people that are in the worst place. But we also know that if you struggle with disordered eating or an eating disorder, you should really go and consult as early as possible. Because the longer you stay in those habits, the harder it will be to come out of those. So the problem right now for my colleagues, uh, therapists and doctors and dieticians is that they see people coming to them who have been doing these um, behaviors for a long time and so they're harder to come out of and fully recover but then also they have on waiting list the people that right now are not too sick and that by the time they will get access to treatment they will actually be really really sick so it's we're really facing something terrible if i'm honest
1: you you uh you were talking about that you know it's it's the best is to go and consult at the, um the earliest possible yeah how do you identify that you know this is now that you have to um to go and see you know a, a specialist you know to help you because sometimes i mean it just like no, okay, once, twice, you know, three times, yeah. it's fine. Oh, uh, it's going to go. Actually, you no, know, it's helping me like to feel better in my body. Um you know, how w- what is going to be the, the trigger?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um what should be the trigger? I don't know if we should use like the should or <laughs>
0: uh... I think there are red flags, you know, the eating disorders actually uh, diseases that are considered mental health uh, conditions, but they also affect your physical health, obviously. Um, and we know now that they're rooted somehow in your genetics as well. So some people are more prone to developing eating disorders than others. So it's if you think about it, it's biopsychosocial, conditions it's it's quite complex and i totally hear you that it's difficult to know whether you have these conditions because also our society totally normalizes a lot of the behaviors around food exercise and you talk about men Men are a good example. They will come to treatment later than women. One, because there's a mental stigma associated to eating disorders, which it is a female condition more than a male condition. So they kind of push it away and think like, I can't be possibly consulting for bulimia, for example. But then also because a lot of the voices, I'm thinking of the Silicon Valley, for example. I don't know if you remember that story, the... um, the guy who had created Twitter a few years ago, he had shared his routine with his followers and his routine was like totally insane. Like he would literally eat very little walk for thousands of miles in a month uh, inflict himself like a whole bunch of treatments and stuff that he had to do to somehow feel a little bit less anxious about how healthy he was And the reality is when that was shared, a lot of the eating disorder associations, they said, dude, this guy is really sick. He needs treatment. But for a lot of other men looking up to him as this amazing creator, you know, from the Silicon Valley, they were like, wow, this dude is like biohacking his health to a point that is insane. And they were looking up to him and seeing inspiration in that. So This enmeshment of the dieting industry. You know, dieting is a really powerful business, right? It sells billions of dollars every year. Um, I think by the figures I had is that by 2024, it would be around $300 billion globally. So it's a business that makes so much money. And I'm not even talking about the beauty industry when it comes to women, because that's also enmeshed in it somehow. These are powerful businesses. And so they want to tell you that it's normal to do all these things. They want to sell the books and the methods and the coaching and the special foods and the gluten-free stuff and all of that. They want to sell you that. So it's not about to disappear. But some of the red flags to think about is how impaired How impaired am I when I do those behaviors? So i give you an example. If I need to go out for dinner with friends, but I feel like I have to bring my own food because nothing is going to be suitable for my diet, that's a form of impairment. I remember going on a trip to Thailand with my best friends, and I actually packed food with me to bloody Thailand. Like this is the place of delicious street food everywhere you go. But no, I was having my protein shakes. That's impairment, right? Um, It could be that you're injured and you still go to the gym. You're tired, you're exhausted, but you still wake up at 4 a.m. because otherwise you miss your gym session and you feel horrible for the rest of the day. How anxious are you if you feel like your body is not the way you want? If you feel like you've gained 500 grams, how anxious does the scale make you feel? All of those are uh, red flags. For kids and for youth, it will be weight loss. Any weight loss before you're an adult should be seen as a red flag. Even if your kid is fat to start with, they should not lose weight while they're a kid because they're growing up. Um, Obsession with food, obsession with changing your diet suddenly. Now, Mom, I want to be a vegan. Okay, but what are the reasons, you know? And If we go to a place where, you know, there's going to be cheese on the menu, are you still going to have cheese for once or you're never going to have it? This kind of rigidity around food is a good red flag to to look at. Um, So... This is something you can go on the media website, media.me, and we have a whole bunch of things to inform people. Stuff also about, I think, a loved one around me has an eating disorder. How do I reach out to them? What do I do to support them? Because these are complicated diseases to deal with. yeah. Um, but there is information out there. And a lot of what I do is really raising that awareness among the community here in Dubai, but also online through podcasts and stuff so that people can change their outlook and can think, oh, hang on. When I feel like anywhere I go, I have to have all my Tupperwares for the day. That's not normal. I can actually be free around food and decide whatever is on offer will work. Um, so you know, we do the best we can to bring that awareness out there, but obviously lots of people will still live in that little bubble where the people they follow online keep saying those messages as well. And for me, as I said, like a big trigger for me, one was to lose my period where I was like, what the hell is going on? Um, Two was to see my kids actually saying, oh, you know, mommy is on a diet. It's different from us. And that was like, Wow, I do not want that for them. That's what prompted me to actually seek help and work on. And then a lot of anxiety. I had a lot of anxiety. I was so irritable. I could shout at my kids just in an instant. And that all came down to the fact that I was not well fed. Isn't that stupid?
1: Yeah, and, and sometimes we don't realize this, actually, you know, that, uh, I mean, we want to, to have you no know, or to meet the beauty standard. Yeah. Of what, you know, social media, I mean, at the time, plus with magazines, with, yeah, not oh, yeah. Today it's like social media, what we see on social media. And, um, um, a- and that's true that, I mean, obviously, you know, it, it's, it's, it is still so true uh, today. And I feel that what I was saying as well is even when you want to motivate others, you know, by showing, you know, the workout that you're doing, or maybe sometimes like the food that uh, you're eating. And again, I mean, the food that I would show would be like, you know, things that are super healthy, but I would not show. And I'm going to say that now. So that's no more secret. That, you know, I'm the, making
0: you say a whole bunch of stuff, Laura. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but, you
1: know, the chocolate, you know, the biscuits, you know, the no, nuts. Of course not that yeah. I'm eating because then it would be like, Ooh, she's not actually, she's not eating healthy. Oh, totally. This is like,
0: completely I've, d- I've like done that insane. too. You know, I would, I would show off my gluten-free dairy-free whatever free stuff I would eat. But then when I would secretly binge on crisps because I was so bored with my food, then I wouldn't show that. Right. And I would, and and I would feel horrible with myself for eating those foods and the reality is, for me, I had to have full food freedom to really come out of that mentality. And I had to work on my body image and my mental health and understanding what really matters to me to come out of that zone. And. You know, it's funny because I still work with a naturopath to deal with my conditions um, that are autoimmune and chronic and, you know, deal with those symptoms. But the first thing I do when I go to one of those practitioners is to say, I will never diet. Can you take me? <laughs> and so and so they have to say yes or no. Like, oh, if they start saying, but you still should avoid this or that. I'm like, I'm out. I cannot because it it really kills completely my mental and physical health. And I know that by now, but it took me going back to it over and over again. And a big motivation for me, which actually is a good link for your podcast as well, was acne. I was suffering from acne most of my life, like literally until I was 40 years old, I had acne. Um, And so for years, I thought if I eat super clean, quote unquote, I will get rid of it. The reality is I tried and tried and tried, and it really pushed me down that rabbit hole of disordered eating much further because then I would go see practitioners. They would say, oh, yes, of course, you should not eat this and you should also remove that. And oh, my God, you can't have this like that. This is what until I was diagnosed pre-diabetic. So that could be also another red flag. You know, you, you go to a doctor and they're like, well, there's something going on with you. It could be insulin resistance. It could be all of these things. We don't really know what's going on. Well, that could be a side effect of not eating enough and constantly being on a watch for whatever you eat and guilting yourself into these things. So now I know at the right age of 41 that my acne is not related to my food. And I think a lot of people do not understand that because the message obviously of the industry selling all those things is still about, you can get better skin if you do these things. Well, for me, it's really down to my hormones and I can eat. I have done eating all of the right things and it drove me completely crazy. And I still had acne, (laughs) which was like, what? (laughs) So um, I know I need... Good support from a dermatologist. I will understand what I'm going through. I might need to look into hormonal imbalances as much as possible. But again, I have to be really, really conscious of not going back to dieting and rigidity in my food because otherwise it starts me all over again on, on that relapse. Um, it's a constant no balance. No, it's, um, uh, I love balance yeah. more than healthy. I find that mm. you know if you're balanced. So for me, being balanced is actually allowing all of the foods because it actually balances my mental exactly. and emotional health. Yeah. Um and and then working on, you know, dealing with my skin issues on another level than just trying to clean myself from the inside or get perfect gut health. Yeah. Um so I hope that answers.
1: Go, definitely Go, going back a bit like onto like the impact of uh, of social media do you have clients that sometimes you know that they, they come and see you and tell her that she is my model i mean we've been talking a lot about like you know and i think i have my view on this as well but you know the kardashians you know how they have impacting you no know, social media um also me being in the beauty industry, and obviously, you know, I'm following some influencers in the region. Sometimes in the region, sometimes I feel that I'm seeing the same woman yeah. three times, and they are different. And and at some point, point you know, I was like, oh, that's very scary. You know, the same small nose, the well-defined lips. <laughs> lips, the 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 high cheeks, uh, the the lifted uh, eyebrows. And um, and this has impacted me as well. Of course, at some point I was like, oh, okay, so if I want people to look out, to watch my videos, you know how I do makeup you normally know, me, then this means that I need to have like a smaller nose because I don't have a small nose. You no, know, my, I have a nose, <laughs> uh, I have hooded eyes uh i have okay my lips are fine but like you no, know, all this kind of thing that you know social media is telling me oh yeah but you're too old or yep. you 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 don't look the way that people want to see and even yeah. today no it's not only like now people that have like uh, 30 or 40 years old you no know, but some still um uh, social media influencers tiktok tiktokers instagram instagrammers um youtubers maybe uh still if people are, are still uh, watching you no know, youtube but um it's uh it has it can have such an impact something can have like a positive impact but sometimes it has a negative impact and also i was thinking of you know I'm going to select like the Kardashians. I have uh-huh. nothing against them. I have nothing against them because also I believe in all, anyone, you know, showing their, their face on social media. They have done surgery or not, and that they're doing this or that. But maybe, maybe because, you know, this is what makes them feel good about themselves. You know what I mean? This is also, you know, another way of seeing things, but because they are like public figures, it has such an impact on the perspective yep. or vision that others know would have of their totally. own body. So, yeah.
0: We don't know how the Kardashians feel about themselves, right? We know they that they have built an empire out of their looks and aesthetics. Mm. And so of course, even if they feel like shit right now, they can't say that's it. I'm stopping. I'm going to let myself be who I am. And I'm going to stop all these things because this is where their incredible money assets come from. Mm. Um, and I, I think, you know, you were saying like, do you see your clients being influenced? I think it's a lot more complicated than that. Um, in the sense that look at the Kardashians. This is a good example. They will portray this super narrow aesthetic that even they only achieved with surgery, Botox, any treatment under the sun, they probably tried it. Um, They have coaches, they have... Personnel that is dedicated to making their food and making them eat a certain way and exercise a certain way. They are loaded with money to start with. So they're already in this part of the population that can pay for all of these things. Um and they're obsessed with their aesthetics. So you can see that they they they're the ones still trying to reach that standard, which is completely unattainable right? because of course they age, they change, they go through pregnancy, they do all the things and people will be horrible with them. But so they build this empire, but then they will also tell you, oh, what you need to do as a woman is empower yourself is work really hard, is doing all of those things. And I'm not saying they don't work hard. I'm sure they do. But it forgets all the privilege that goes with it to start with. Mm. You know, it forgets that, oh, hang on a minute. Their dad was the lawyer for, gosh, I'm forgetting his name now. Uh, do you remember that guy who had, yeah, yeah, yeah. was accused of uh, killing his wife? Anyway, so they, they were close to all the Hollywood celebrities to start with. They were living in Beverly Hills. They, they had access to a bunch of things. And so a lot of my clients, they come with influence that they haven't maybe recognized as such. Another great example, and that's really definitely touching my clients is all the fitness gurus or the dieting gurus that will portray on their feeds, their bodies, who obviously have, they have a perfect body. They have the abs and they have the big boobs and the nice butt, but they have a tiny waist. They have the perfect arms and all of that. So all their feed is dedicated to that body They might even propose to do before and after pictures for their clients, but then they will also tell you, accept you as you are. I'm only doing this because it makes me feel happy. Wait, what? (laughs) That's like a cognitive dissonance that we see all the time. And the reality is we do not know that we're influenced in that way because we get told just you do you you be happy in your body you be feeling great in your body that's why you exercise so much that's why you eat this way to feel good to empower yourself but are we really empowering yourself or are we just spending a bunch of resources on having the perfect body which is not exactly a pre-requirement of living a happy life does that make sense Mm-hmm. So they they follow the, the trail of information, which is, if I have this body, I will be happy. I'll be successful. I will do whatever I want. I will be healthy. And for a lot of them, it actually leads them down the opposite. For me, when I was leading that lifestyle, I was not happy. I was actually completely, I was, I won't say the word, but I was horrible to people. I was... Really spending so much energy and time on something that I was never happy with in the end, because my body was still flawed in many ways, because obviously the standard of beauty is unattainable. That's a reality. It's made to be unattainable. So... Everything I had signed up for, I wanted to achieve, I did not achieve. And it didn't make me much more successful, like work-wise, to be honest. I can't say that there's no privilege to being beautiful or thin, all of this. There is definitely a privilege. And when you look for a job, you'll be treated differently than somebody who's in a different body. That's horrible. But the problem is not changing my body. The problem is changing the society's views on this. The problem is changing recruiters saying, why do we see this person as better? Oh, just because she's thin. Right. That's the thing we need to change, not our bodies.
1: Yeah. You know, there's something that, you know, uh, uh, struck me into what you you said is it's not because you look from the outside, like healthy, that you're happy. When I was five kg less than now, it was probably the worst time in my life ever because I was just out from a burnout, I was still dealing with a lot of, you know, mental health and understanding mm-hmm. that actually, you know, at the time I had some, um, uh, I'd say mental harassment, you know, at work and, That's and
0: really hard.
1: Yeah. And I, and I realized this only like a year after I quit my job.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So, uh, and you know, you,
0: there cannot be health if your mental health is no good.
1: Mm, exactly. Yeah exactly
0: um on the contrary I mean
1: we we talked about you know some people you know uh, looking amazing you know on social media and maybe having like a negative impact um on others in terms of how they are accepting you know their body or their appearance but on the contrary you know are you seeing other people on social media that have like a positive impact on on people, on men or women. I'm just thinking about like two people that I have in mind, you know, there's this uh, comedian called uh, Celeste Barber. Uh, she's Australian and uh, she is an amazing woman. And what she does is, uh, I can't, uh, what do we say like parody, parody in English? Yeah, she,
0: I think it's... Um, How do we say you say that? I think you can say parody, no? Parody? I don't she's, know. She's basically imitating those... Uh, Silly videos and photos on exactly, the Instagram, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: And uh, and and she, yeah, parody. Yeah, we can say that in English. Um, and
0: I was just looking into Google. <laughs> <podcast>. Two two <laughs> French uh, natives uh, having a podcast in English. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: and, and and basically, she's um, you know, she just showing that okay, you know, those amazing you know models. Or celebrities with, like, amazing bodies, or what you know we can see, uh, and she does the same. And it's just like making ourselves like fun—not ourselves, but just like okay, so, well, actually, not everybody can do this. And also, like you know, when they have like the legs you no know, up, like one leg <laughs> up, one leg down, like on the doing, I don't know what with the body. We just like, uh, why would they? Why? Yeah, yeah. Why? Yeah. So she's kind of normalizing, like the you know her her body, and basically normalizing our body, like everyday woman. And when I say everyday woman, it means like outside, like model. This is that job, you know. This is you know this is just that job. Um, and there's also uh, Danae Mercer. She used yes. to live in the UAE. I'm not sure where she is now, but um she lives in
0: Italy. She married an Italian. She lives though. in Italy, yes. Yeah.
1: And uh and also, you know, what, what she's been doing for the past two to three years is really to normalize as well our body in a way that yeah, you can look amazing on pictures, all depending on the angle that you're taking the pictures from. Yeah, and and then Um, On the other side, she would show herself like just sitting normally on the beach where we can see like her tummy, her cellulite and like a very, I would say, unflattering, you know, picture. But I think it's really like to remind us that what we see on social media is not the reality.
0: Oh, yeah. It's because I think between the angle and the filter and the Photoshopping and whatever treatment you have done to change your body in real life. um, And, you know, it's interesting because the face we have talked about with the big lips and the tiny nose and stuff, I find that it a lot of the time it looks great on the screen. But then when you see these people in real, you're like, whoa, this is like so done, right? You can tell it's been completely altered uh, surgically, which... To me, it's still quite shocking. Like I think I'm still old school in that way that most of the people around me haven't had surgery. Uh so I, I when I see like those big lips and the tiny nose and the defined cheekbones and all the contouring and the heavy makeup, I'm like, oh, oh my god, that's <laughs> like I come with my mascara and like and people go like what? Um, So it's interesting that I think Danae did a great job to show the kind of the behind the scenes of all these shoots and stuff. So I definitely endorse both. Uh, my kids love Celeste Barber uh, and I love that they're able to see this because they will need a lot of unlearning. And they will need a lot of putting in perspective. Do you really need to be in a bikini to promote this drink? (laughs) Do do you really need to have your legs open wide to promote this car? You know what I mean? Like it's a lot of sexism that I think Celeste also uh, talks about, which I love. Um, And she's funny. So obviously people remember it better. She's Um, so funny. She's so funny. You know, accounts that I love, I think something people anyone can do to kind of work a little bit around resisting those images that we see on social media is change their feed so it's to remove anything that makes them feel unwell about themselves and feel like they're not good enough they're not thin enough they're not young enough they're not uh i don't know made up enough whatever it is is to really unfollow that stuff and to add body diversity to your feed so what I'm thinking of, um, and I have on my website, I have like a whole bunch of resources that people can dig into that I took a long time collecting and putting there. You need fat bodies in your feed. You need disabled bodies. You need Black, Asian, Asian, any background bodies um, you need bodies that maybe uh, don't ha- are not uh, cisgender bodies that maybe have different sexual orientations um, we need to see that diversity to actually feel like we belong in it Does that make sense? If we only see less than 1% of the population, which is what happens right now with the beauty standards that we see online, is that the people we see represent less than 1% of the population naturally, right? If we only see this, then we're going to keep thinking that we're flawed and we have issues and we need to fix our bodies but the reality is (laughs) we're hundred percent of the world. Um, So some accounts that I was thinking of uh, for this are accounts from uh, black activists actually, because I find that this is also something if you look at Instagram, it's very white dominated in my opinion. Um, And, You know, I'm not discrediting the work that Celeste Barber or Dene Mercer are doing, but we need to see also that diversity because the reality is our culture is still very much, and especially diet culture, it's based on sexism, racism, exclusion of whoever is not considered valuable. Um, Two accounts that I think of, one for men, is called 300 Pounds in Running, is this guy who's actually – you know, 300 pounds, but he's a marathon runner. And I think it's important to see people in those larger bodies actually achieving amazing sports feet. Um, And then the other one is a yoga teacher, which maybe, you know, um, and her account is, my name is Jessamine. Um, She's Jessamine Stanley. Uh, So she's also in a fat black body. Um, She is, um, I think she she lives her life very freely and she's an amazing yoga teacher. And people need to see these bodies, need to follow these people in order for them to replace also their bodies in the spectrum of diverse bodies out there.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think this is such like an interesting, you know, things to do. I mean, um, sometimes, you know, I decide to unfollow, to mute As well, people, you know, on social media where I feel that they're just creating like anxiety, you know, in me, either like the way they're living or the way that they are showing themselves, like, you know, the body, the face and everything. And sometimes, yes, we need this kind of first disconnection from social media, but also, as you said, like, you know, diversity. Um,
0: And assuming that everything we see has been filtered and retouched and photoshopped. Yes, by this at this stage, like it's so obvious, so even know. you know, beauty brands they have a big. I know Huda Katan has been uh, talking publicly about why do we put a bloody filter on skincare or makeup commercials online? It makes no sense because we can't see the result. And thank God for her to speak up like that because she's obviously a powerhouse of the industry. But we, I mean, that's the reality. Everything we see has been retouched and Photoshopped and modified. Yeah, no. Yeah, unfortunately.
1: And, and you know, this is funny what you're saying. First, like, to go back to uh, Huda Katana, um, I think that, you know, for a long time, she was using, you know, Photoshop as well. And, you know, yeah. for, for her own feed. And uh, a few years ago, you know, she she comes out or she came out, you know, um, and saying, okay, so now I'm done. I'm not going to use any filters, no editing. And now all her campaign for her beauty products is without retouching. And I love that. And I love the fact as well that on her feed, she doesn't put any filter anymore. Yep. And this is really amazing. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> I was about to lose like the other thing that I wanted to say talking about like being a makeup artist, seeing some other makeup artists uh, or photographers, because usually, you know, they work, you know, we work like hands uh, with photographers when we um, uh, post our work. And sometimes I feel like it is way too much photoshopped, retouch and everything. And uh, I'm working with the photographer, Stephanie, and we talked about it um, in, in the episode with her, that the fact that, there are two things. First, she only retouch, you know, they would. she would remove maybe a pimple. Okay, that's something that would not be like yeah. permanent. But to get your nose thinner, to have your eyebrows like, you know, um, lifted, this is something that she would not do, never. Or just to have like this super like airbrushed uh, skin. Uh, neither. Um, and, 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 indeed like, you know, the filters, the filters is, um, I think it's, it uh, it's impacting so negatively the way that we can see people. And even what Steffi was saying is some of the clients, you know, they don't care about skincare, looking after their skin or coming with makeup kind of, because, Everything they're using is social media and on social media, they can just put like a filter and they look amazing.
0: Yeah. But you know, the problem is that it messes up with our minds as well. So if we constantly see ourselves with a filter and then we see our face in the morning in the bathroom light (laughs) without anything on and we're like, I hate myself. I cannot stand the way that I look and it's just the habit of seeing ourselves completely modified and plastic surgeons have s- spoken about this as well. At some point they was, they were calling this, the Snapchat, uh, issue. And, uh, you know, it, it, people come to them and say, I want this. So I want the thinner nose, the bigger eyes, the bigger lips. And the surgeon is like, I can't change your, your face in that way. Um, so I mean, one of the things that I definitely try and teach to my children is that, um, and they're not they're not on social media yet. They have they're, they're ten and eleven. Um, I refuse to give them a phone at this stage. Um, I know from the work that I do the damage that it can cause. Uh, I think parents, especially here in Dubai, are quite lax about giving their a phone really early on, which I understand sometimes is for reasons that you know they need to contact their kid when the kid is alone. I totally get it. But please, please be wary of the social media. It causes a lot more damage than positive. I know we want our kids to be connected to friends and all, but it can really cause damage. So a lot of what I ask my daughter sometimes when she plays on TikTok and we do some of the videos together is that we don't put a filter so that she can see herself really. And she doesn't see herself with makeup and bigger lips and all of that, because it, of course you can see on a young mind like this, the effect that it can have if it affects us at 40, right?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. But I mean, do, do you feel that, um, Um, the way that we are interacting with social media, is it going to have less impact on how we see ourselves? Um, No, this is, let me rephrase that. I'm sure that you understand like a question that I want to ask you. (laughs) So, I mean, what is the evolution of social media or the impact of social media that you are seeing on people?
0: I mean, don't get me wrong. Social media can be a great place. I remember when I was in my recovery from disordered eating, this is also where I found a lot of the people that supported me. I worked with a body image coach, someone like me at the time, you know, and then I worked with a dietitian that was really specialized in what I needed. Social media is the reason I know Nicola Sykes with whom I do a podcast today and without her I would not have not recovered my menstrual cycle I may not have gone through natural pregnancy at the time it was impossible to get IVF here in Dubai so I owe her a lot. And I owe these people a lot and I found them all through the internet. So I really believe in the power of creating community, bringing people with the same issue together, even though they're far away uh, geographically. But we definitely have to be really mindful of what we consume and we have to be in control of our feeds. Because if we wait for the algorithm to propose stuff, it's going to be stuff that is most likely to be destructive. Um, so I just encourage people to use it wisely, to disconnect, uh, especially if they're parents, because there's nothing worse than for our kids to see us constantly attached to our phones. And that's something I'm definitely guilty of. Uh, if my husband listens to this, he's going to say, what, you are saying this? Uh, but anyway. I, ra-
1: I, I raise my hands as well. <laughs>
0: It's difficult, you know, because a lot of my business is uh, also advertised online, and yeah. this is how I find my clients. And uh, it's not easy. Um, but I would say, like, for me, it's kind of, <laughs> I would say it's a bit like alcohol. It's kind of consume with moderation or figure out, you know, the right way to use it because it can be really bad, but it can be really good as well. And I'm thinking of, parents that have, for example, a kid with a rare disease. I mean, the internet is the opportunity for them to reach out to other parents throughout the world. This was not something that was possible when we were kids. So I don't want to blame the internet, but I think we need to be really mindful and we need to also be aware of when it goes too far for us, right? When we really feel like we cannot disconnect or we're constantly checking our phones or we're now, that that's the time that we probably need a little bit of a break and to reconnect to real life. So what is the best way, in your opinion,
1: to look after ourselves as, you know, women or men in this society where we are constantly bombarded, you know, with social media, images, anything like, you know, WhatsApp, the phone, the, uh, yeah. everything. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm going to say stuff that is really not fashionable or sexy. (laughs) I'm going to say rest. I think rest is really underrated. And if you see studies of the impact of social media and stuff, you see that we're constantly actually, um, how do you say this? Uh, Sorry, the name is uh, uh, eluding me right now. It's almost like we get a hit. Of dopamine every time we get on our phones, where if you think of people 40 years in the past, they had one hit of dopamine per week. Maybe we get 15 per 30 minutes, right? So it's a lot to deal with. And we're constantly multitasking. We're constantly being distracted by messages. We feel like we need to answer all the time. So I would really take some time off and to rest when you feel like resting. And then for me, self-care, I work on self-care a lot with my clients because they need to learn new coping mechanisms. Let's face it, um, controlling your body, your food, your exercise. It's a way to cope if you've struggled with mental health, but you don't know it, (laughs) Um, which happens to a lot of us. So a lot of the self-care that I recommend they use is emotional self-care. It's not so much about putting a mask on or taking a hot bath. If that makes you emotionally well, then do it by all means. But for a lot of my clients, it's not really about that. And when we call self-care, the fact to go get a mani-pedi, is it self-care or is it just a way to feel like we fit in a little bit more? Is it just another injunction that we have to follow as women? Um, But again, some women will love to go get a mani-pedi because it's time off and they can just do whatever they think, whatever they want, or listen to whatever they want to, or read a book, then by all means do it. But for a lot of people I work with, it's going to be more about um, meditation, mindfulness, uh, setting boundaries, learning to say no, uh, dealing with conflict, um, learning how to, you know, find their way professionally or speaking to their partner, um, speaking up with what they need, uh, listening to their bodies. It's just something we're not encouraged to do as women because we're encouraged to care for others before ourselves. Yeah. Yeah.
1: My husband was telling me just, I think, yesterday, he was like, lord you're doing so many things, you know, the right way. But the one thing that you don't do, it's like to rest.
0: Oh, yeah, because it's not valued um, in our society as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's really, you're not going if to, if somebody loses weight, you're going to say, oh, my God, amazing, well done. If, if something comes and says, you know what, this afternoon I had a two-hour nap, nobody's going to clap for you, right? So and it's tough because we have a lot on. We have a lot on That's if so we run a small business and we're mothers and we're partners and we have families abroad and everybody has expectations. And mothers are really the glue of the family in a lot of ways. And not in the I'm not saying fathers don't have the importance, but if mothers collapse, then everybody suffers in the family. So that would be my self-care, emotional and rest.
1: Yeah, that's um, that's. Uh, I- I'm
0: taking the the rest and emotional layer, self care for sure. <laughs> I mean, the best the best money I've ever spent was not on cosmetics, and I spent a lot on cosmetics in the past. Uh, uh, it's really on therapy, therapy, yeah. coaching, training, uh, in anything that helped me go through my emotional struggles for sure. Yeah, Th- this is what I'm doing this year. As well like awesome, you know, therapy,
1: but also meditation uh i'm I'm doing now as I like a reiki sessions, um oh. realignment of my chakras, so yeah, a lot of things like you know just to make sure that this will help me, yeah as a person just to uh d- yeah, I mean to go back on track and then to be able to achieve my goals. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. otherwise, like if you have like one stone in the edifice that is not properly um, put together, I mean, it's it's not working. So, um, so as this podcast is also about like, you know, beauty, you know, uh, skincare, makeup. I mean, again, like everything that like makes you feel good to know about your body. And, and this is where as well, this approach of this show is not only about like products, but also to understand that you know we have other things you now um, um, that can impact ourselves. But I always love to understand you know, what is the beauty routine of my guests. So, Florence, do you have any? Any?
0: <laughs> yeah. So I have to confess, I am. Uh, I used to be a cosmetics and skincare junkie. Um, I have a really old post. If you go on my Instagram and you scroll really down below, you'll find me. I have taken this photo with tons of products around my face, (laughs) on my bed. Um, I have spent so much money and it was all really in the wish of getting rid of my acne, getting better skin. I'm not big on makeup. Uh, so I did not want to kind of cover up and I wanted to have naturally glowy skin, which I know is a lot of the stuff that you do is really around that too. Um, but I really toned down on that because I found that having too many products and applying too much stuff is also no good. Um, so I'm. I'm actually a patient of Dr. Natalia and uh, her way of looking at uh, acne really helped me. I mean, as you can see today, my skin is pretty clear. Um, So I still use some products from La Roche-Posay, which is quite popular uh, back in Europe. It's one of those pharmacy brands um, that I find works well for me. Um, And it's not crazy expensive, except here in Dubai. In Dubai, it's sold at a premium. (laughs) So I make sure to stock up when I go back to Europe and not buy any here. Um, And then I use my acne products that Dr. Natalia recommends for me. And it works perfectly well. Um, so I don't do much, you know, I cleanse my skin. Um, I put a bit of oil before I cleanse it. So it removes a lot of the makeup and then, uh, I will put my acne product at night. Um, I put just a little bit of cream under my eyes and that's it. In the morning, I will just put some water on my face. I put SPF uh which is which has been really hard because if you have greasy skin to start with and acne prone skin it's really difficult to find an spf that works mm. um, that doesn't make you all oily and disgusting by noon <laughs> yeah
1: I'll, I'll share with you i mean i haven't tried it to be honest like uh, with you but um uh, there's um um i will share with you like a product i think it's from glow skin beauty or Glue Cosmetics, they have an SPS SPF, SPF oil-free. So
0: ah, awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I found one that Dr. Natalia recommended that works quite well. Okay. Um, and, and she's then, amazing. Huh? Yeah. Dr. I, honestly, Natalia, she's really good. Yes. She she is the one that really allowed me to have food freedom and not have acne. Um, I had to go through Accutane. Um, that's yeah. that's the reality of things. Yeah. And I might have to take it back at some point if my acne comes back, who knows? Um, but it's okay with me. Like I'm just, um, I, I just, I'm just happy that I, this is not a worry anymore in my head all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, it's just by applying a certain product in the evening, which is no big deal. Cause I've, I've been off Accutane now for close to two years and I haven't had acne come back
1: that's amazing. You know you you are following a trend that is called the skin mini- minimalism. Yes. So the less product you know we have and the better we feel. So and I'm going that way as well in a way. So I'm I'm using only like you know maybe like two or three products and that's it. Um and my skin is all right. So uh so I can't complain. Yeah. <laughs> Florence who uh Who do you get your inspiration from?
0: Well, you... (laughs) um thank you (laughs) yeah I mean I I did that masterclass with you I definitely learned a lot on that day and I mean I I look at what you post and what the products are that you like that you test I love that you can test all these things for me because I don't have to do it and have disasters coming on um I look at you for kind of you know skincare makeup and then uh, obviously, I follow Dr. Natalia. I think a lot of her stuff is good. Not a big fan of Vaseline. Let's be clear. I I don't want to put Vaseline on my face. But, um, you know, you take some and you leave some. Exactly. It's yes. Fine. And then another makeup artist I really like um, that I follow online and I think I learned from in terms of doing my makeup, maybe differently or better, is Nisrin Daou. Yes, she is.
1: I love Nisreen. I mean, I know her. Uh, We usually meet, you know, at some uh, events and uh, she is the, I mean, she's so nice. She's so kind. She is a good person. Uh, I love the video that she's creating as well, because some of them are fun and she is using the product, you know, in a different way and she's testing as well. Um, Yeah, I am totally with you on that.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think it's also finding makeup artists that have the same kind of skin type that you have. Um, So she has spoken many times about having oily skin, which is my case as well. At least the kind of T-zone is quite oily. And obviously we live in the desert, so that's quite complicated. It's very humid outside. It's very dry inside. So that doesn't help. And I I like seeing someone who gives me tips on dealing with that particular type of skin. Um, So those are, I mean, you and her are the to that jump to mind. I don't follow many, many of the kind of makeup and skincare accounts. I have to be honest.
1: Yeah. But that's amazing. No, no, man. I mean, it's, I think it's good that, um, you are able to follow people that you can relate to. Mm-hmm. This is the Absolutely. most important. This is the most yeah. important. Um, so one of the questions that I like to ask, you know, my next, my guest uh, is, uh, who would you like to see as a next next guest uh, on this show?
0: Well, uh, I would think of the Kite Sisters, uh, the twin sisters um, in the US. They have uh, they are known on Instagram as beauty underscore redefined. Uh, so I think it's a bit what you're trying to do with the podcast as well is to look at beauty from a different from different angles and different ways Um, they are um, researchers they have a PhD in body image research which I find is fascinating they're both twin sisters are identical as well so they live their whole lives being compared to one another Um, They live in larger bodies, so they also have, uh, you know, an understanding of what could be the injunctions to lose weight and to get into a smaller body. And their research points out to the fact that um, when we ask women how they feel, uh, women typically answer with how they feel they look. And I think that's fascinating to know. Um, so a lot of what their message out there is um, that our body is an instrument, not an ornament. They really want to empower women to see their bodies as this vessel that they can do things with and not to think that they have to be beautiful to exist. Um, so I, I really, that that's a message that helped me so much. And that helps a lot of my clients also to completely look at beauty in a different way. Yeah. Um, so I think it might be a good idea to have. That yeah. One. I'm, I'm just on the feed now and they have like
1: amazing things. Like, uh, for instance, feeling invisible as you age and that's so true, you know, I mean, that's, that's so true. It shouldn't be true, but at least this is what I can feel as well, you know, sometimes, uh, or stop looking at your body and start living
0: in it. I love yes, this I love so this. a lot of what I do in coaching is inspired by that type of way yeah. um, is to to allow for women to stop looking at themselves from outside and actually living inside their body and allowing themselves to do everything they want to in that body even if the yeah. body is not exactly what they had imagined to start with. So look at them and uh, they have an amazing book also called More Than a Body, uh, which is for anyone who wants to work on body image, it's one of the best books out there. That's also evidence-based because they've done tons of interviews and research. So they they didn't just decide one morning, okay, we're going to come out with a book. They actually spoke to thousands of women and got that research sorted out into a book. Amazing that's
1: well noted that's well noted um where can we find you florence how can we reach yeah. out to you
0: yeah so the best is my website it's uh, beyondbodyimage.com it's all in one word um and from there you can find my instagram uh facebook um i don't have tiktok I I didn't get through to (laughs) making TikToks at this stage. Um, I also have an account in French, entirely dedicated to period recovery. Uh, You can find my podcast there. You can find links to all these accounts that you can enrich your social media feed with. So hopefully, and lots of blog posts about all these topics around dieting, letting go of dieting, accepting your body, learning to live in the body, that's maybe not exactly what you had imagined to start with and taking care of yourself emotionally as much as physically.
1: Florence, I loved our conversation today and uh, looking at our body in a different way, looking at beauty in a different way, looking yeah. at, Uh, being healthy what does it mean you know in a different way as well and i feel this is just like opening a door that we need to leave open yeah and uh and i hope that uh it will help other people like just to start a conversation within themselves
0: I sure hope so. You know, thank you so much for having me. I love the conversation. I always love having a chat with you. It was easy for me <laughs> to come and chat. Um, so thank you so much. And I wish you all the best for the podcast, your makeup work. I think you're an amazing person. I definitely look up to you. Thank you, Florence. It's um, I'm very touched. I'm not going to cry, but I'm
1: very touched. <laughs> thank you, Florence. My pleasure. Bye! Bye! Thank you so much for joining me in this episode today. If you enjoy it, please rate it with five stars, leave a comment, and share it with at least two of your friends. This will help the podcast to be more visible and high in the rank. I cannot wait to have you in my next episode to talk more about beauty. In the meantime, take care of yourself and remember, Be your own kind of beautiful.